And hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the best things from this year uh, for the Derpies of 2021 that happened in 2022 because it's about the previous year. Um, but before we do that, I want to tell the folks that don't want to just be doing this podcast. Well, on this podcast, we talk about games and we also talk about movies and we also talk about a variety of different things. And we're going to talk about that variety of different things in today's podcast. So the, the Derpies is our end of year cast, right? Where we go through, we, we, you know, we talk about the year that was in games, what's the best, sometimes what's the worst, etc. right? Um, but crucially, there are some rules to how the Derpies works. Rule number one is that, <coughs> excuse me, is that um, one of us will propose a category, right? And then we will answer that category on the on the air. Sometimes it will be specific to the year, sometimes it'll just be so that, you know, someone can shoehorn in a thing or whatever. And then the other one of us will have to answer for that category given the amount of time, right? If I propose, "Oh, you know, the category is best movie of the year." I have to talk about my best movie of the year first before passing it off to to Mango. But sometimes, you know, these are going to be complicated, you know, category things. Um and uh and so those are the rules of the derpy. Are there any other rules so, for the derpies so, besides that? So the the other rule is that we start with our game of the year, which as of the past couple of years has been split into three categories, game as sport, game as art, and game as game. Um and we do that up top so you know, most 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 places will like you know, feed, wait that bullshit to the end, but those are the only set categories, and so we know those ahead of time, and so we don't have to worry about, um, you know, uh, things falling, uh, about coming up with answers to those. Um, also, a new rule, um, as announced in, in the announcement post, is because we're doing this live um, for the first time, uh, or this, this particular episode live for the first time, right? We've been doing live all year. Um, uh, you guys can suggest categories, and we'll take them. Uh, if any of you are here, um, unlike our episode 300 spectacular, this will be time limited to an hour and a half. We will not keep going. Um, although if we, if we get a really good one, I suppose we could, uh, we, we could extend a little further. Not that we've ever been beyond extending it a little bit, but, um, uh, we, we, we fill the hour and a half, um, with our categories bouncing back and forth, um, as much as we can. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, um, the extent of the, uh, of the, of the rules. All right. So, um, do you want me to start or do you want to start? I will... Uh, I don't mind either way. Well, so we're doing game of the year, right? Yeah. Well, we're, we're doing the three games of the year, right? Um, so, uh, I think previously we've done game, like we do game of sport and game of art first, and then we do game as game, uh, as the, as the, as the final one, um, in the, in the, in the initial three. Um, so I'll just, I'll just go. So my game is sport of the year, um, which should surprise absolutely no one, is Guilty Gear Strife. Um, it is a pure sport game, right? This is a fighting game um, through and through. So much so that they have a story mode and the Guilty Gear Lord is batshit. But it's not like like in most fighting games, it's kind of like a set a set set of matches, maybe with like scenes in between. It's just like a you know in-engine anime. That they play in episodes, and you just watch. Um, you could put it on a streaming service if you want. There's no interaction. That's just all the, the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and so it's like pure sport, right? It's pure PvP, um, or you know, or training mode, right? Like, um, and I just kept coming back to this game. There were a couple of cool games that came out this year in this kind of space, right? Like the Nickelodeon All Stars uh, Brawl, 
Um, and I think there might have uh, there was like another um, big fighting game that I did not check out. It's uh, I think it's Mark of the Wolf. I don't know. There, there were a couple of big ones, but um, Drive very quickly jumped up as one of the big boy contenders, along with like Street Fighter and, and Mortal Kombat and Tekken. Um, and uh, I I keep coming back to it every couple of weeks. I'm like, man, I got to get some sets in, and I'll just pull out Potemkin and throw people. Um, it is super fun. Um, they've added a, a handful of very cool characters, a mix of old uh, returning characters and uh, new characters. Um, and the, the designs are always off the wall. And the game, to me, is great because it's like, it's not a hyper fighter, like say a Marvel vs. Capcom, where it's just like, you know, like the biggest, the biggest problem, or your biggest risk as a player is dropping your combo. Um, and it's mm -hmm. not super slow, like um, like Samurai Showdown, which is the games that I typically prefer. But there, there is opportunity for comboing. There's opportunity for style. There's opportunity for self-expression. Um, but it's also kind of like sewn off. And there are characters that are sewn off, right? Like I play, like the grappa typically fills that role. That's what I play typically. Um, that uh, you can you can get both of the, both styles of gameplay, and uh, it's also very pretty. And I don't know what else you could ask for out of a fighting game. It's got rollback neck code. It's got all like I think it's got every single um, quality of life feature that you could ask for, right? Like things like hold to pause. Um, that way you don't accidentally fuck up an entire tournament by accidentally hitting the pause button. So, um, all that good stuff. Uh, buddy, what is your game of sport of the year? Okay. So my question, do you remember what I said last year? I do not. I'm a little afraid I'm going to be repeating myself, but I'm going to go with this answer anyway because it's just the, like, the most honest answer. So for me, it's obviously got to be uh, Mythic Plus Dungeons and World of Warcraft, right? Which is an interesting thing because I specifically want to call out the, you know, so for anybody who's listening to the podcast, right, obviously I've been really into WoW for like, honestly, like the last like four years. It's been like my main game for like a long time now, right? Um, uh, World of Warcraft has definitely won a previous derpy. I think maybe multiple times. So you know, you're it, yeah. It, it I'm not surprised about that, right? And to be honest with you, I didn't mean for this to be the answer that I was giving, but it's just like it is the most true game as sport that I've played this year, and that I think is like good and. You know, it's just, it's very good, right? I, I guess it really, I don't play a ton of other games of sports um, in the sense of like, you know, like Hearthstone or whatever else, right? Those, those are kind of like the only other ones. And um, and none of those really gripped me in the same way. I don't like think the Hearthstone meta was very good for what I was playing. But anyway, so about so about WoW Mythic Plus. This year in WoW Mythic Plus, I, I joined a Mythic Plus team, right? So it's me and a group of four other guys, right? And we created a team and, uh, you know, we had effectively a schedule, right? And we had, like, roles in our group, right? Um, as we were pushing, you know, first to 15s, right? Getting plus 15s, you do all the dungeons at plus 15. You get a, you get, uh, a mount called KSM, Keystone Master. A lot of people do this over the course of, you know, a season, whether on a team or whether by pugging. Um that's cool. But the thing that I did recently, and the thing that really cements this in my mind, is pushing to the plus 20 mark, right? Uh, one of the one of the things that was added into the game is there were our special achievements for timing a key at plus 20 for all of the eight dungeons in the game, right? Um, and specifically getting to a rating, and, and you know, like, that also gets you to a rating of about 2,400 of, like, mythic plus rating or whatever. And that was sort of, like, and that was sort of our goal. The way that this became 
or the, the way that this felt sport like to me that I want to call out and in a different way than, you know, sort of the, the, the way that I've talked about in previous years as a sort of PVP situation is how it makes like working on the team happen and work. Right. Um, because Mythic Plus obviously has these different roles. You have tank, you have healers, you have melee and range DPS, right? Um, and you also have different sorts of utility that are that are necessary for you out in the dungeon, right? And the thing that it reminds me most of is what it was like when I was playing, like, Little League, for instance, right? Where I'm the first baseman, you know, my friend Eddie is the pitcher, my friend Billy is in outfield, right? And we have these sorts of roles together. And it is less about, you know, the PvP aspect, right? Um, about the kind of competition of beating another player, right? And it is much more about the, the, the integration of that team environment, right? Um, and Mythic Plus is just insane at that. I also think, for what it's worth, rating is a pretty good example of that, but I'm just more into Mythic Plus than I am into rating obviously um and i also just think that mythic plus is amazing in wow right now and rating is not so right like um specifically for the mythic plus game mode i would answer world of warcraft for my uh my game as sport of the year okay so this is going to be an interesting one um for game as art of the year here's a question how much do I have to recuse games that I've personally worked on? Uh, I don't think, I think so long as you say I worked on this game, right? Like that, that, that's fine. Right. Like, you know, uh, yeah. So, okay. So, so I, I do want to say, I, I, I'm, I'm going to sort of give two answers here, which is maybe cheating, I guess a little bit, but, um, uh, for a game that I worked on, which is very cool. Uh, my answer would be The Dark Side Detective, A Fumble in the Dark, right? The sequel to the original The Dark Side Detective, six cases, a new, you know, bonus case. Um, obviously, I The Dark Side Detective is basically the only comedy game I think I've ever really, like, had a good time with. I just feel like comedy doesn't come across super well in games, even for some of the famous ones, right? Like Saints Row or even like Borderlands, right? I, I appreciated Borderlands and I had a good time with Borderlands, but I, I more had a good time with it because it was a fun shooter than I did because it was comedic, right? But a point-and-click adventure game is really not all that up my alley, right? I'm not entirely interested or super into those. And the Dark Side Detective series is just so laugh-out-loud funny in places that I just honestly can't help myself but love uh, that, but love those games. Um, in particular, there's, like, just a bunch of really good sort of, like, meta bits that... You know, it, it reminds me quite a lot of that sort of um, early two, 2010s. You know, we talked about this with 30 Rock, with Community, uh, with Parks and Rec, this kind of heightened reality. Absolutely, you know, that's the kind of... Um, that's the kind of reality that the Dark Side Detective games lives in, and uh, and those are and, that, and so that would be you know like my my first answer. If that answer doesn't count, then my second answer would be the game Not for Broadcast, which is published by uh, Devolver Digital, um, which is a game about being the like it's a game about being like the sound guy in a in a booth. Like you're the you're like the um, uh, the executive producer of like a news show, right? In the eighties. And you're like switching between camera one and camera two. That game is also funny. It is fun 
and I had a really good time playing it. And I think it's a really unique and interesting use of those sorts of mechanics. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of sort of the Five Nights at Freddy's thing. You know, you're just kind of like looking at a panel, clicking on the right things at the right time, that kind of stuff. Um, but also the you know the broadcast that you are that you are broadcasting is humorous in and of itself. Um, I just think it's less funny than the Dark Side Detective, so it technically loses. But yeah. So yep, those are my answers. Fair enough. I'm waiting for the year when you just give all three awards to World of Warcraft. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I do like the writing in World of Warcraft. Uh, I think you might I, have given it to, to, to Art. I think you might have given Art to World of Warcraft at one point. It must have been like a launch. I, I might have done that last year. Yeah. I liked, well, I mean, I liked the, yeah, I liked the end of BFA. I actually like the stuff that's going on story-wise in Shadowlands more than that, but I don't like it more than the Dark Side Detective. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and for my game of art, I'm going to give it to uh, Inscription, uh, which I believe is also published by Devolver Digital. That's um, true. Uh, I spoke about this on the cast, um, and this is this is a slightly interesting one for me because um, I really enjoyed the game, and I thought the story was pretty neat, but I notably thought the gameplay got worse as the game went on, like notably worse. It's by the same guy who did, um, I think it was Pony Island, um, but essentially the game has like three kind of iterations on it and the first one is the best um and on it, it looks like the the structure of the game indicates that like maybe there was supposed to be two more and like he ran out of time or like you know he's also known for like adding things later so maybe it'll come in later um um but the story was super interesting i always find i always find the his games to be interesting because there's always an element of he'll like add something that you have to like modify a file or like do something ex, uh, you know exogenous to the game in order to figure out like the true story or whatever. Um, and apparently this game was so popular that like the website he set up to like uh, you know mail like four people the copy of like the secret um, got slammed like just got slammed within like a couple of days. He's like stop stop submitting forms. I'm not, I don't have enough like of whatever to send out. Um, so good for him. Uh, uh, you know success wise um uh, and i personally don't have the patience to follow up on all that real world stuff um but something i did want to comment on is um unlike some of the games i've given this uh given this to in the past um this is kind of unapologetically a game um right whereas like i feel like a lot of this category tends to capture like um less gaming games and more kind of like either walking simulators or like even return of the Overdim, which i absolutely adored um was relatively light on mechanics. This game is heavy on mechanics. It is, like I said, a, um, a very gamey game. Um, and uh, so I think it's, I think this is, is notable in that, like I, I have always said that I think we give games writing a pass when it's mostly mediocre because games don't, um, because games just haven't had super great writing and kind of rely on the fact that you're invested via, via interaction rather than having super great, um, Super, super great writing. And this is a game with the opposite problem. It is great writing, but the game itself isn't super great. Um, I found myself plowing through, um, <laughs> plowing through, uh, 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 sorry, uh, for those of you at home that are, are listening, uh, our friend Akshay has, has typed in the chat, Death Stranding Game of the Decade. Um, so it's thrown me off my, my cadence. But um, uh, Inscription is my game is art. Um, and I guess that'll lead into uh, my game is game of the year. Uh, which, um, uh, frankly, I realized as we were setting up that I picked a game that came out in 2020, so I had to change it last minute. But it is the only game that I finished this year besides um, Inscription, 
which was, and I absolutely adored it too, um, and that was Grime, uh, published by Akapara Games. What? <laughs> <laughs> you look at that. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually going, uh, planning on originally giving this game best Metroidvania of the year with like a big fuck you to Metroid Dread. Um, <laughs> um, and I did like Metroid Dread, um, but I thought Grime just did it better, right? Like, sure. Um, uh, Dread had some like loading problems, um, and like I also liked Grime because like. You know, there's the souls like combat, lots of stats, mm-hmm. lots of stuff to, to toy around with. Obviously, the developers care a whole lot. I didn't like dive deep into the Discord, but I like I like I watched some of those conversations go by. I saw the changes happen uh, live because I was playing right around when like one of the earlier patches dropped, um, and I thought it had some flaws and it had some rough edges. But you know, like I said, there's no other ge- like there's games I played more this year, probably World of Warcraft, but like there's no other game that I sat down um, and played front to back, and didn't put down, uh, like I said, except for Inscription, and I didn't like Inscription that much, I liked Grime a lot, so, um, or I didn't like Inscription's gameplay that much, I love Grime's gameplay a lot, and uh, yeah, so that's my game of the year. Buddy, what is what is your game of the year? You know, it's interesting, normally I feel like I have a really hard time with this one, because a lot of the games that I'm playing every year are not coming out this year, right, like, except from in the before times that I'm just, like, picking up or whatever. Um, but I was in the very unique position of, I've played a lot of games this year, right? Like, cause I actually went back and looked over it. Um, you know, there are games, this is, this is maybe a year where I followed new releases closer than I have in the past. Um, I have games in my, in here that's like Humankind, which was a brand new release. Um, New World was obviously a brand new release. Um, All-Star Brawl was in here. Outriders was in here. All of, you know, as these, um, you know, these new releases games that just came out in 2021 um, that I picked up and uh, that I picked up and played. But the one that really stood out for me and I kind of had forgotten because it was from the very beginning of the year is Valheim. And so Valheim is what's going to get my game of the year, which is interesting because I haven't even played it since the big you know, gigantic update. And I also never even beat the final boss. But for the duration of playing Valheim, right, which was, you know, it wasn't in the beginning. It was in the middle of the pandemic, right? Um, But just, like, it was deep in the pandemic. We were all in quarantine. This was before the vaccine was available, right? Um, There was really nothing that gripped me in the way of just, like, yanking me into an experience and immersing me in it so much so that I was just like constantly obsessing about it. It was always in the back of my mind. Oh, I need to do this. I need to get more of that. I want to make a thing, you know, and you know, we got to make portals to this and that. Um, we were playing on a big server with a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of our wow friends, obviously. Um, and that server had a whole bunch of like cool builds on it, right? Like, uh, you know, going out and going sailing with a group of people to go raid a swamp to cart home as much iron. It's just like, it, it's one of those perfect, perfect interactions, right? Um, that I just have not had in gaming in a really long time. And so even though I have not touched the game in however many months, right, you know, probably in eight months or so, um, and I'm pretty sure that server is long dead, right? Like, I can't even go back to to salvage that stuff if I were want to, or maybe I could if I asked somebody, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it, was just, it was just, like, the best experience of the year. And so, you know, and, you know, also, even though I'm very much in the same boat, like, 
I've definitely played more World of Warcraft than I did Valheim, or really any other game. I'm sure, you know, my hours in WoW this year were really depressing if I were to actually take a look at them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so for me, it is Valheim. That's my, that's my game of the year for sure. All right. Awesome. Um, funnily enough, the, the game that kind of sticks out in my head as being similar to that uh, is, like, New World. Um, but I just fell the hell out of, out of that game just, like, after, like, a month or two, it just went away, um, at least for me. Um, but uh, now we're going to move into uh, custom categories. Um, and reminder for those at home, since I see you've got some new people that popped in, you, this year you can suggest categories and we will answer them. But um, in the kind of traditional mirror back-to-back, -back, did you want to take the first custom category, buddy? Yeah, so I want to take the first custom category, and I want to make this one uh, an easy sort of bookend um, to sort of fill out the, you know, uh, how we've talked about games this year. And my, uh, my, my final sort of game of the year category that I want to talk about is biggest gaming disappointment of the year, mm -hmm. right? So as compared to game of the year this is basically my worst of the year category though i don't want to say worse right this is this is less about the quality of the game itself and more about you know sort of the way in which i personally interfaced with this uh with this game with this interaction there's actually a couple of contenders up here that i and i want to audit i, I want to I skirt a fine line a little bit um, and emphasize that I actually think that the game that I'm about to list here is a pretty good game and is probably better than the other top contender that I have a feeling you might end up naming, but we'll see. Um, uh, but it's just, it's the thing that pointed out as I was looking over the stuff that came out this year that I was just like, oh yeah, I really had hopes for that one that just did not, that did not pan out in the way that, uh, in the way that I was hoping they would. And the answer for that is Outriders. Um, Outriders is the looter shooter that was uh, created by Square Enix, um, and it was, in many ways, the looter shooter that I always wanted to play, right? And it was giving me big Anthem vibes, right? Rest in pepperonis, my, 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 my baby Anthem that I love and miss every day, right? Um, Outriders does the thing where, you know, the gunplay is mostly you know, sort of an auto attack thing, right? You are using your abilities, your, you're using your abilities more or less on cooldown, and you're filling the downtime with attacks from your, you know, your, your weapons, right? And your weapons have certain properties. Your armor has certain properties. Um, those things are synergistic and create kind of synergistic uh, sort of like builds or whatever, right? There's there's crafting. Um, it is very much a, like a core looter looter shooter, um, like Destiny or uh, any of the other you know any of the other names that are trying to chase Destiny's big money, right? The core thing that makes it a disappointment for me is the story and the world. Um, the world of Outriders is batshit insane, and it was so hard to grasp and get into that I basically fell off of it almost for that reason. I actually think that the gameplay of Outriders is, you know, it's fine to good. Um, 
I had a couple of situations that, you know, I think some of the enemy designs are not great. Um, and the, the patterns are a little repetitive. Um, and uh, But I do like the actual play of the game itself, right? The different classes have really different feels, and that's, and that's neat, and that's interesting. Um, the different ways that you can customize your classes and create different builds is also really neat and interesting. I was playing, like, the Earth you know geomancer um kind of kind of character we did a whole episode on outriders i guess i won't belabor this point too much um but i think the thing that that really drove me away from outsiders was just the incomprehensibility of the story moving from plot point to plot point if you were to ask me to summarize what happened i don't think i could fucking tell you right um it was just inscrutable uh and at the end of the day i do think that, that part of that is required in order to get me on board with uh a gaming experience like that one so that's it biggest gaming disappointment of the year outriders what's yours all right hmm. so interestingly i think i know what you think uh the other one is going to be um what, what, what was your other one just out of curiosity new world interesting okay um because that is not my, is that actually did a lot better than I thought it was going to do. So, you know, I'm not going to give it to that. Um, okay. Yeah. I actually think new world is a worse game than outriders, by the way. And the only difference in the two of those is that I had higher hopes for outriders than I did for new world. New world. I basically picked up on a lark, you know, it was just, I was bored. People were into it and I just wanted to give it a shot. We said we were going to do an episode on it. I didn't really have high hopes for it. <laughs> I'd been following the news and I didn't think that it was, it was anything special. So it didn't have that far to fall. Whereas Outriders, I was pretty hyped for, you know, um, after my first, however many hours playing the game. Yeah. No. And, uh, yeah. No, that, that makes, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> I similarly did not have higher hopes for New World, but I think, I think New World's a better game than Outriders, but um, Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, question for the category: Does it have? To, is it worst gaming or most disappointing gaming experience? Or is it like? Oh, interesting. Or is like, it, could it be? Because I have a very specific. Experience I was thinking I think, most disappointing game, but if you want to make it most disappointing experience, I'm down for that. Okay, that's interesting. Because I have a very specific thing that happened. So, okay, around the middle of the year. I was very bored. I was like, I want to shoot some stuff and loot some stuff. And Destiny's not in a great place. So I'm going to reinstall Borderlands 3 and uh, and buy like the, you know, like the like the, the director's cut, right? This will be a lot of fun, right? So I did. I installed the director's cut. I booted it up. I created a new character. And I discovered that at some point in the past two years, they had... Remove the ability to remap the emote keys, which are on the arrow keys, which long-term people will know um, is uh, how I um, how I move in games because I'm left-handed and I use the mouse on the left-hand left side of the keyboard. And normally, like, I might have been able to go and, like, remap them manually using a config file, but I was so disgusted that I literally alt F4 <laughs> and uninstalled the game. Um, and that was, that was my worst, <laughs> my most disappointing gaming experience <laughs> of this year. <laughs> Wow, you know what? That's very fair. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. I, the worst part too was they let me map the movement keys on them, and like because like it, it took me like fifteen minutes to realize what was happening because um, you would like it would move and the movement would cancel the emote, right? Mm -hmm. But every time I tried to reload and move, 
the emote would cancel the reload animation. <laughs> and, oh you know, my god! Yeah, and so like it's it's like like it's not a thing that like like it wasn't immediately unplayable, but it was like definitely well I can't do this. You can't like not move and reload, right? Like yeah, it, it's just it was it was it was it was like I said it was so disgusting that I was just like fuck this, right? Like man. Um, so yeah, Randy Pitchford, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see an ad for, for, uh, fucking, um, like the, the fantasy game that's like set in like the, what is it, like, it's their, their new game that's coming out. That's like technically set inside of tiny Tina's, um, D and D game, but it's like a new game. It's like, it's like fantasy lands or something like that. I don't know the answer to that actually, but okay. okay. Yeah. Um, every time I see that for them, I'm like never again. I'm not. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna do this again. <laughs> not gonna do this to fair, myself. You know. Fair enough. I, I appreciate how like petty that answer is. I mean, it's like, like it's like, it's like if I had given it to uh, Total War Warhammer Three because they delayed the release <laughs> from 2021 to 2022. Which, like, honestly, thinking about it, maybe is my most disappointed <laughs> gaming experience of 2021. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to defend myself a little bit there, like, for people who are, like, worse off than me, that is, like, a real accessibility issue, right? Like, not yeah, being able absolutely. to remap certain king keys. So, like, you know, like, that, that is the one thing that keeps me from feeling too bad about every time I bitch about bad key remappings is that's, like, a real problem for, for, for people rather than just, like, weird left-handers like me. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel justified in, in pitching all I want about that. Um, uh, so I guess, I guess I'll end th that topic and I'm going to say, so, um, I'm going to be cagey about the topic like, as, as is so many years, right? Like this is, this is an answer in seeking a category and I don't want to hem you in too much. So I'm going to say this is the best story I experienced this year. Um, and that was Hyperion, which is a, it's a very old book. I listened to it okay. on Audible, so, you know, story is, is what I'm going with. That. I'm not going to, uh, you know, hem it to either category. But um, it is a relatively famous book, um, like I said, 1989. Um, fairly, um, what's what's the word of, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these books where you read it and you're like, you know, oh, this is great. And then you realize it was written in 1989. You're like, oh, he predicted a bunch of stuff, right? Like, um, like you know, he's talking about, like, he, like, uses this term world web like like a couple of months before that term is like coined and used like the World Wide web um, and you okay. know um, and uh, it's, it's super interesting it's basically it's the, co the common comparison this is the Canterbury Tales it's seven or six people on a pilgrimage to this planet with this um, pain God essentially um, uh, as kind of like the parts of the world are collapsing in around them. And it's just the six of their stories told over the course of the book. Um, and it's super compelling. Um, uh, it's one of the few books that like I would listen to when I, when I didn't need to be doing something else. Like, I just wanted to listen to the book. Um, great book for driving. Cause like, or alternatively a great and a terrible book for driving. Great. Cause you don't like, you know, notice that you're driving bad. Cause like, if you need to pay attention to the road, sometimes you miss it. Right. Like that, like I had, a, I had a, at least one near miss with this book. Um, because I was paying too close attention to the story and not enough to the road. Um, um, and just, like, also a variety of, like, styles. Like, like each character has their own style and kind of, like, emotion to it. I would also highly recommend the Audible performance. Um, they got, like, six different voice actors to voice the six different stories. Um, and some, some parts that were just, like, incredibly uh, heart-wrenching. Like, um, one of the stories is... Um, 
uh, spoilers for Hyperion. One of the one of, one of the pilgrims, his daughter or the the character's daughter was investigating, like doing research on this planet because there's some weirdness about it. Um, and she essentially catches Benjamin Button disease, and it's just him describing how he watches his like like she was doing like master's work, and watches her like regress. Like, and she's a baby at the at present time in the book. And, like, you know, it's incredibly sad. Um, and, like, it's it's not that – it's not Benjamin Button in the sense that she's just aging backwards. She, like, regresses a day and, like, thinks that, like, that day is the day – like, you know, if like, – the day she turns 12, she thinks the day before was the day she – you know, the day before her birthday or whatever, right? So, like, she keeps forgetting things. Um, there's a scene where, like – um, her boyfriend, like she crosses the, the 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 moment where she would have met him, right? So like she doesn't know who he is anymore, um, and he's like finished his doctoral thesis and like you know is come back to check on her as like a little girl. It's it's um it's uh, it's a very touching story. And there's like there's five of these, and I think they're all pretty good. The last one I think is not the best, um, and the guy has some idiosyncrasies, but it was a great story, and I highly recommend it. And I'm starting to dig into Fall of Hyperion, which is the sequel. Um, so yeah, that's my best story of the year, or story okay, story that, my, I, that I experienced this year. My best story of the year, and this one I can't even actually explain because it's a spoiler for anyone in the chat that I highly encourage doing this thing. But it is for, and this is going to sound wild, I understand, but it is for specifically the video, Patrick explains the OC and why it's great on the YouTube channel, Patrick H. Willems. Okay. I've talked about this YouTube channel in the past. He won my, for Derpy's 2019, no, 2020. He won my, my best like YouTube, uh, like YouTuber, like best YouTube video, or maybe like best influencer. I call it something like that. Right. Um, and, um, <clears throat> uh, and the thing that he wanted for at the time was the talk show arc, which was, you know, quarantine started when he was at visiting his parents. His parents live in upstate New York. He lives in New York City. He was visiting his parents for a weekend, and he was in upstate New York, and that's when quarantine started in New York City. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I can just stay with my parents, right? Um, I can take this weekend trip to be a couple of weeks. Quarantine will blow over, and, you know, the pandemic will blow over, and I'll go back to my apartment. And they spent the next six months, like, hidden away in his parents' house in upstate New York because the pandemic just didn't blow over. Quarantine didn't didn't end. And he was stuck in this, like, sunk cause fallacy of, like, well, obviously I can't leave now. So that was why Patrick won it last year, right? Um, and during that, the course of this year, you know, his character created a talk show and the talk show was the, the sort of the framing device for these individual YouTube video essays, right? Um, that framing device has actually been going for the last two years over the course of his last like 35 videos, right? Um, every video is bookended in the beginning and the end with just like a little short narrative, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek it's 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 comedic it's it's humorous right um we've talked about the biopics episode that they did that one also had a narrative framing device where it's like patrick was going through the music biopic formula but as a video essayist where he like got hooked on drugs and then started video editing or whatever and so that and so you know like this is this is something in his videos in the episode patrick explains the oc and why it's great one of the singular best plot twists I have ever 
in my life experienced happens. And I was so fucking blown away that it happened to me in the narrative framing device of a YouTuber's video essays that I just, I, it, it has to be, it has to be the, the answer to this one. Bet better um, than the defunct land twist. The defunct land twist. So the defunct land twist is a little bit different. The defunct land twist is also great. Right. And it is a plot twist, but it is a nonfiction plot twist. Whereas sure. the Patrick, you know, the Patrick explains plot twist is a specifically a narrative plot twist inside of the story of the framing you know, the framing device of the videos. And it was just executed so well. Um, we are all eagerly awaiting the season finale of Patrick's whole, you know, story arc. It started in 2019 um, with with a season premiere, right? The season premiere is Patrick comes back. He Patrick famously burnt out it, at the end of 2019. He, like, didn't do anything for two months. He, like, booked a trip to the fucking Bahamas and didn't talk to anybody. And he came back from the Bahamas with a coconut with two googly eyes on it. And the coconut is his best friend, Charl. And, um, and that's just continued through, you know, like all of these other video essays, right? Plus, he, he works with a couple of other people, right? Like, uh, there are other, you know, members of this cast or whatever. Um, the season finale is a, was like supposed to come out, I think, four months ago? Three months ago? Uh, and it has instead ballooned into a literal feature film. And he's just ended up making a feature film that is all wall to wall. No video essays in this one. It's wall to wall narrative. Um, that is that is you know uh, ending the story of Patrick and Charles and all of the stuff that's been going on over the course of the season. So yeah, that's my answer. Very cool. Anyway, related to this field because it's a good one. Um, every year, you know, you, we obviously spend a lot of time watching YouTube, and it feels like every year the art of the video essay gets better and better and better. Um, and there are some real contenders for this one, but I want to, uh, uh, but I want to, but I want to bring back the, you know, this fan favorite category. What is you know, the best video essay of 2021? Um, there's a couple of, of honorable mentions in here that I actually really do want to talk about. Uh, specifically, the most recent ContraPoints video on Envy is insanely good. Um, as well as uh, a video made by... Hold on. Uh, now I want to look it up in, in particular. So I'm making sure that I'm not you know, like misquoting it. Uh, a video made called the, the Nostalgia Critic and the Wall by Folding Ideas. Um, Folding Ideas, by the way, famously won last year for me for his video In Search of a Flat Earth, which talks about the intersection of Flat Earthers and QAnon supporters um, and was just like riveting for what it was. Uh, he did a breakdown of Doug Walker's inability to understand the the Pink Floyd movie The Wall, and it is one of the most brutal, like, it's honestly, it's it's insanely good, but it's it's incredibly brutal. But the but the one that's got to take the cake for me this year is a two and a half hour deep dive into the eight season CW show The Vampire Diaries by Jenny Nicholson. I don't know why. I've never watched the fucking Vampire Diaries. I the Vampire Diaries could not possibly cross my radar as a show that I would spend however many gazillions of hours watching. But for some reason, the that two and a half hour video essay that Jenny Nicholson did is so fucking funny that I must have watched it 
20 times over the course of the last year. I just watched it over the course of the weekend, actually. I was just sitting in in Minecraft, farming cobblestone, and listening to Jenny explain to me the ridiculousness that is the Vampire Diaries. Um, I think Jenny Nicholson's, you know, particular delivery style is also pretty good. Uh, she also has a video that came out recently about Dear Evan Hansen, but uh, for my money, the magnum opus has to be her incredibly in-depth breakdown of the vampire diaries as the best as the best video that came out in 2021 so what's yours so mine is probably gonna have because i i watch i watch a lot of youtube right and there's probably like a couple of there's a couple of things that i really enjoyed watching this year but don't really fall into the video essay format so i will respect the category i'm gonna say it's got to be that defunct land video um okay I for, uh, it's the, it's like the on the intricacies of fast pass um which just like for me hits this like very kind of like nice intersection because I've watched a bunch of his other videos too since then and I like them but I don't like them nearly as much as as his fastest one it's this intersection of like 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 there's a narrative through line to it and there's like good solid analysis of like real world measurable problems right like a lot of video essays for better or for worse are like subjective things right they're like they're like talking yeah. about like you know plot elements of 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 shows which is fine but like something that like i really like is just like you know dude literally sits down and like does numbers on like lines right like and like strikes research and talks about like all this all this stuff which i know super interesting i'm surprised that like I would I would be surprised if there wasn't somebody at Disney whose like job it is to figure this stuff out, um, but like like insights into that kind of thing is like I love I love these kinds of videos right like you know Tom Scott usually does like five minute videos on uh, on like you know some something some particular weird thing out in the world, um, but just like a large solid chunk of time dedicated to explaining the intricacies of the fastpass system why it's necessary what its effects are what like the problems are when like you know like uh, when the 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 money people come in and don't like fully appreciate like the, the actual problem it was trying to solve and just like see it as like a, a profit vector um, and how that like ends up making things like not as good. And, like the kind of like the, like the kind of like emergent properties of like the inherent problems of, um, of things of like trying to like specialize things like there is like, so this is something I, I, I sent to you pretty, pretty specifically on Twitter, but like there is a moment in there where he basically described he basically says like instead of trying to like shape behavior we should just kind of like let the market decide things and he didn't say it in those <laughs> words but i like recognize the form i'm like wow that's like you know i don't think he realizes what he's saying but that's essentially what he's saying right like you know if we just like let people like you know do do things by incentives instead of like trying to set up an incentive because when you set up an incentive game which is essentially what um the fast pass thing is People yep. figure out how to game the system. And just, like, watching that happen, I thought was, like, super beautiful. Just to, you know, like, see that all happen in front of me and have it so so well explained. And, like, with the numbers. It honestly, you know, it, it, I, I, I talked about this before as a as a reflection of game design. Because I think that it has the, um, you know, something that designers will talk about from time to time is the problem of over-designing a thing, right? Where, you know, you have a problem and you, and you, oh, you, you famously want to correct the thing, and you over-design a solution to it, right? You create this whole new framework to layer on top of the thing that just makes it even more complicated and even worse. There's a million examples of this. I'm trying to think. What are some good examples off the top of my head? 
Um, maybe reforging and WoW is a good one, right? There was the problem of people needing hit and expertise in WoW, and so they created a system that allowed you to tailor your secondary stats so you could, if you were over the hit cap, you could take a little bit of that hit and make it into something useful like crit or haste or whatever. But then it just became doing incredibly esoteric math all the fucking time to figure out, oh, well, if I, if I drop a little bit of hit on this item and then put a little bit of hit on that item, I specifically hit, like, the in particular number is a fucking nightmare right and it's just like maybe the answer is to remove hit and expertise as stats which is what they famously did they got rid of hit and expertise and the game is a lot better right <laughs> um and i just feel like i just feel like fast pass that fast pass documentary was such like a just like a fantastic breakdown of that problem happening in real time and also like in a, in a world that I don't think of it as happening. Because in a certain sense, I think games are systems designed to be solved, right? You know, like, the, the point of a game, like WoW or League of Legends or whatever, right, is to present a player with a variety of systems and ask them to master them, right? Nobody fucking designed Fast Pass to be put in front of customers and say, master this, you know what yeah. I mean? So to see that kind of thing happen spontaneously, completely unrelated from gamers, was pretty fucking funny and interesting. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, and it was, and like, on top of that, just kind of like the other part of this too, which is like, well, a lot of people are invested in the system. They don't want to give it up, right? So if we get rid of it, it'll cause its own like backlash, right? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> No, and it's it, so funnily enough, and this is this is more of an aside than anything. I was thinking about um, how like this this expansion for WoW, all the items have like set stats on them, which, yep. funnily enough, like in because I started playing Destiny two recently this year, so I, it doesn't get into any of uh, the awards for this for this year, but um, or for last year rather, uh, but like famously that game had set drops. Like when the game launched and had to change to random drops to get people to like want to play the game more, uh, which is super interesting. Um, I feel like yeah, WoW did the the opposite the, of that, yeah, right? Exactly. They had random yeah. drops and people were so angry about it that WoW just said everything is everything is set in stone. I mean, it's crazy to see this stuff happen in action. People are people are angry about like the Archivist Codex in WoW, right? Which is the system by which you grind out a currency that allows you to put gem slots on items, right? But three years ago, if I were to go to, like, the WoW subreddit and ask people what their biggest complaints about the game are, they would say it's bullshit that certain items can get sockets and, you know, like, the sockets are just fucking random. All I want is a way, and you can make the grind as hard as you want, right? Just let me grind it out so that if I get a piece of BIS gear, I can put a fucking socket on it, right? And now you have people complaining about that exact thing having taken place, which is just, like... I think it's interesting to watch that happen over time in uh, in communities because it's pretty fucking common. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we could do a whole episode on, on that, like like a, a like that kind of thing happening. Because I've got more thoughts there, but this is probably not the show for it. But we, we should sure. definitely table that for an episode at some point. But I will go on to my next category, and I'm going to keep it pretty simple. Um, another best kind of category. I'm going to go best album, and for me that was screen violence. Um, the, uh, sorry, oof, I'm saying, it looks like I took you by surprise. Whoa, man, yeah, what the fuck is the best album I listened to this year? Um, uh, Green Violence, I've talked about this before. I've talked about this several times, right? Because we, I think we talked briefly about a Spotify, um, uh, uh, raps, uh, at the end of one of the episodes. But, um, Screen Violence is a new Churches album that came out this year. Um, Churches with a V. Um, and, uh, I thought it was a really great return to form for them. 
Um, I just find, found the this, I find this, I still find this song super compelling. It's one of my go-to kind of like things to listen to when I'm just kind of like looking to fill some time. Um, recently, the director's cut came out with three more songs on it, which I also think are bangers. Um, so I and I don't know what it is, but just like uh, it just hit me like in a, a, a in in such a way where like. There's a lot of emotion in the songs, and like when I like listen to like the specific lyrics, they're not things that I particularly relate to. But if I just kind of like take it in, in the abstract, like there's enough, there's a lot of emotion there that just kind of like really like burrows into me, and uh, that I really enjoy. And uh, like I said, I've been listening to it on repeat. Um, this and the Inside album, which would have been a, a fantastic runner-up, um, and may feature elsewhere in this in this uh, in this podcast. Uh, All right, that's perfect. That actually gives me the answer that I needed. Yeah, so the way that I listen to music is, isn't very album-related, right? Which is, um, you know, I go almost entirely off my Discover Weekly, which just shows me random songs, right? Um, and so I have a lot of songs that, I, that I've discovered over the course of the year that I think are great or whatever. But I just, it's, it's very rare for me to listen to albums. The, the real albums that I listen to most commonly... Um, and I listen to them all the time, are uh, the albums for the Akupara Games games because I have to edit the soundtrack videos and playthrough and uh, and like previews. I have to do a lot of stuff with that, so I'm just listening to it a lot as I'm editing these videos um, and trying to figure out, like, ooh, well, what goes under, you know, like this track or this trailer or whatever else, right? But the best answer there is obviously, obviously Inside. Uh, the, the Inside album is so good honestly um just from like a musical perspective and just from how how much it you know it just uh owned my headspace for those like two months right um and even and even after that i still find myself like singing some of the you know like some of the songs right like white woman's instagram or i feel like shit uh or i think that song is just called shit right um that you know it it it's probably going to be something of a mainstay um for more or less the you know like like the the future i guess of uh i don't know of things i know that the one that everybody went crazy for was jeffrey bezos because i guess it went like viral on tiktok but it's funny that i kind of feel like that's not the best one and it's also the one that i would probably like I probably connect to the least, all things considered. Um, I'm just trying to like look. What, what do I think my favorite song? Yeah, I think I think Jeffrey uh, 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 Bezos worked um, because uh, because it was just like very TikTokable. Like I think that's like yeah. entirely it. Um, oh, problematic is my favorite song. Okay, right. Um, problematic, but I mean, there's so many of these that are good, right? Like comedy, how the world works, problematic, even just unpaid intern. This is a 30 second song. Oh, I love it. I love it so well, much. Welcome oh, to hey, the by the way, uh, we, we just got a category in the chat. This is perfect. Cause we're at the end of our category, right? Yeah. Um, Ayo Derps, love you both dearly. You should do the category. What was your favorite item slash power up from a game from 2021? Hmm. So this is this is interesting. Um, item slash power up. That's, huh. I have oh. an easy answer for this one, so I I can answer. It. Go for it. Go? No, you go for it. Okay. Go for it. Um, for me, the answer is uh, Jathis. Uh, Jathis, which is a weapon in World of Warcraft. Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Chathis the Prison Blade. Chathis actually has a very cool story behind it, and it was designed by a friend of mine, Patrick uh, Patrick Scarborough, right? Um, 
you know, he joined the WoW team this year and he put in a bunch of, you know, he put in a bunch of weapons. But I just think that Jathus itself is an insanely cool weapon and incredibly well designed and I uh, was maybe the thing that I was just like happiest picking up all year, you know. Um in terms of just like a game having a cool item that I wanted to have. The answer to what that item was was Jathus. The way Jathus works is when he drops, he drops and is a regular old item. He's a sword. He has crit. He has haste, right? But he has a very special on-use ability that says that you can feed him other weapons, right? And so if you have an epic weapon in your inventory, you use Jathus on that weapon. Jathus will eat that weapon, lose a little bit of his stats, right? So he'll lose his crit, he'll lose his haste, um, but he'll gain what's called a cantrip, which is like a proc, right? Um, a cantrip is just like any non-stat thing that comes on an ability, like a, like a trinket, but not a trinket, right? Um, and at first the cantrip is like, Jathus has a low chance to, you know, like strike at an enemy's weak point and do a uh, low amount of damage, right? Um, and as you feed Jathus more and more weapons and he loses more and more crit and haste, that proc gets better and better and better. The cantrip gets stronger and stronger um, until he is at his final form um, where the, I don't, I don't want to read out because even the tooltip I think is incredibly well-written. Uh, let's take a look. Can I see Jathus rank five, please? What is the tooltip on Jathus rank five? God, I don't see the tooltip, unfortunately. But it has it just has this cool thing of like Jathus seeks out and strikes a weak point, right? Um, in a target, which reminds me of the Vorpal Blade. Do you know the Vorpal Blade? In uh, it's the thing that goes snicker snack. It, it cuts oh, off the head of the Jabberwock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yes, yeah. From okay. the Lewis in the comic film, yeah. book Fables, right, which is about the idea that all these fables are, you know, any all these public domain stories, Red Riding Hood, um, Little Boy Blue, all these things um, are the big bad wolf. They are they are all like a secret, you know, magical society kind of like the matrix like living in our world or whatever um the the vorpal blade features in that right where a um where one of the characters boy blue who is this like mild-mannered office clerk but like secretly a huge fucking badass he goes on this mission to kill like the emperor of the enemy empire right all by his lonesome and his thought is that the vorpal blade because it always cuts off somebody's head with going snicker snack or whatever um that'll that'll do it you know obviously things don't go according to plan i'm not going to spoil that for anybody but um it's just like jathis is it's flavorful it's mechanically complex it's cool it's a chase item right it's this kind of item that i want to spend my time killing bosses to get which to be frank i haven't felt that in a long time in world of warcraft in the way that i have in you know in shadowlands um just because i think the items have been better designed recently than they have been in previous expansions um and so my answer for that one is it has got to be jathis yeah that's that's a that's a great answer um I want to give a shout out, an honorable mention to Feyline Stomp, just because uh, that's like super. I find that super fun, but I think technically that came out in the previous year. Yeah, um, it's technically twenty twenty, right? Yeah, um, but I yeah. will say my 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 favorite power up. Um, it's also like maybe not a power up, but like my favorite power up for twenty twenty one is the grapple hook from Halo Infinite. Um, <laughs> there is. Just something. So one in the campaign, you can upgrade it so that like you can like hyper punch something if you gra if you grapple it, and it's just like so satisfying to do over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. But in multiplayer, um, 
in a very similar way, like just because of like the level of skill it takes, right? Like you hit someone with the grapple hook and you zoom to them. And like for me, it's like 25 to like, you know, 50% of the time the person kills me before I get to them. But it's just so satisfying to like zoom in on someone and fucking hit them, right? Um, especially if you've got like a hammer or a sword, you're just like, boom, right? Like it is, oh, perfect. And like I said, in the campaign, it's got like that increased... Um, increased utility and also like you don't it doesn't have the same um it's it's not like a pickup it's just like a thing you have so for traversal mm-hmm. it's super fun there's some great videos of people who like you walk you, you use a rocket launcher on like a warthog and you send it flying and then you grapple the warthog and you just like fly across the map um <laughs> which is in the grand tradition of like halo physics exploits um which is like not you know a thing that i don't know if uh you ever played this like back in um back in like halo 2 you could, um, uh, you know how like you dash with the sword when the reticle's red? Uh, you do like yep. a lunge? Um, so for whatever reason, that was like apparently linked to like the, the reticle, like whatever, like turn the reticle red, right? Like that, that like range. So like you could take a rocket launcher out and if you switched fast enough to the sword, you could like, you could dash as far as like a rocket launcher and you just like see people fly across the map, right? That's like an old Halo 2 bug. Um, but that is, like, you know, that kind of thing, you know, alive and present in Halo because of un- unintended interactions and in, uh, in stuff. But, like I said, um, in th- on top of, like, the kind of, like, our harpooning stuff, it's just, like, a super great mobility item. Um, it's great for, like, uh, getting out of uh, tight spots. And adds, adds a level of mobility to Halo that doesn't completely fuck with it um, like some of the earlier iterations have, right? Like, Sprint is always controversial in these games. Sprint's very toned down in Infinite. Um, and the grapple hook, by nature of being a pickup and having a limited number of charges, uh, allows you to put some mobility in the game without necessarily totally, um, you know, screwing screwing it over, or uh, screwing with uh, the cadence of the game is, is, is maybe a, a better way to put it. So that is my uh, that's my uh, favorite uh, item of 2021. Uh, thank you for the suggestion, uh, King Fod. Um, I believe it is your category though, so I will pass it back to you. Okay, yeah, it is definitely my category. What do I want to do with my category? Okay, so what I think I want to do is the... Hmm. I think what I want to do is my... Um, the, the, the category is the movie that affected you most... Okay. Yeah, the movie that affected you most in 2021, right? Um, and the reason I phrase it this way is because I don't think that this is my the, the is the best movie of 2021, and I don't think that it's my favorite movie of 2021. So this is one of those answers in seeking of a category, but I just can't end the year without without highlighting this one. And the answer was. F9. <laughs> the Fast and Furious Wow. I thought, you, I thought you were doing all this caging for fucking Matrix. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Matrix loses. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Matrix loses to the Fast and the Furious 9. Like, I just can't. I, you know, and, you know, F9, F9 came out in June or July of this year, you know, like in the middle of the year. The pandemic was still going on, but we were all, when we were all vaccinated, right? But, F9 got me to cry seven times over the course of watching it. Like it just man, it just really it just hit me where it just hit me where I live. I do think that the Matrix and F9 are very 
interesting, you know, I, I, I tweeted about this the other day that like um, there's a weird it's a weird trilogy of movies this year, which is like creators coming back to properties that they originated to kind of like fix them, right? So you had Lana Wachowski in The Matrix, you had F9 with Justin Lin coming back after two movies away, and you had the Snyder Cut all come out this year, right? Um, and I think the Snyder Cut might be my favorite movie of the year, um, and I think the best movie of the year is probably something a little bit different. Um, but for F9, it's just like... It just hit me where I live. It just hit me so fucking hard, you know? The guys from the Tokyo Drift movies show up, and they were so ignored in all of the other Fast and Furious movies. The only person from Tokyo Drift... I'm, like, getting, like, a little choked up talking about it. The only movies from Tokyo Drift... Or the only person from Tokyo Drift that ever got any love was Han. And Han was fucking awesome. Han is the best, by the way. But the guys from Tokyo Drift, not only do they help out the main Fast and Furious crew, right? They get invited to the barbecue at the end of the movie and they see that Han is there and they give him a hug because they think he died, right? And it's just like, oh my God, I can't even explain. It just, it just hit me where I live. <laughs> so yes, uh, this is maybe the most specific category. Best ninth installment in the main storyline of a franchise would, would also have gotten me there but um movie that affected you most that is what uh that's that's the category what's your answer okay uh for for ninth installment in the franchise i think i could make a case that no way home fits into that into that slot if you count <laughs> if you count the three toby mcguire films the two <laughs> carfield movies and into the spider-verse and there are three <laughs> marvel spider-man movies but i'm not going there i'm gonna go with the the uh movie that movie that most affected me um and i'm going to go back to something we've talked about which is inside um i don't know if it quite counts as a movie but it's an hour it's you know an hour and a half format on netflix so i'm gonna count it um uh i think it's probably the best thing to capture the feeling of being locked inside during the pandemic, right? Like, you know, if and when we have kids and we want to explain to them what that was like, I'm going to go point them to inside and be like, like all the insanity that's coming off of him, that was like my life at some point in time, right? Like, and I was about, you know, I wasn't quite the same age as him, but I was like around that same age, right? Like, you know, um, like if you want, like the perfect intersection of millennial ennui and dealing with this, like, you know, world affecting pandemic. So, um, and, you know, you, you talked about how the songs are great, too. Um, uh, things that just, like, really kind of, like, um, spoke to me, right? Like, Turning 30 is, like, I think Welcome to the Internet might be my favorite song, but Turning 30 is the one I belt out every time it comes on. Because, like, even though I'm a couple years past at this point, I'm still, I am definitely kind of in that mindset of, like, well, I'm too old to be young, but I'm not old enough to be old. I'm just kind of here. And... Uh, that's that, I guess. Right. Um, and it really spoke to me in that way. Um, and as did most of the rest of it. And so I got to give it to, uh, inside by Bo Burnham. Um, that's a good answer. That's a very good answer that I, that I, that I like quite a lot. Um, all right. Um, I guess this is my, uh, my category. Um, best game I returned to in the year. Uh, that I'd put off for a while. And I'm going to give that to uh, Crusader Kings 3. Um, a couple months ago, I was just like, you know what I want to do? I want to enact the Dane Law. 
And so I went and I started playing as like some small uh, Swedish or some small Scandinavian country and proceeded to not do that and just have to deal with like the internal, the eternal clusterfuck that is Crusader Kings 3. Um, uh, in terms of like clusterfuck, not in terms of the, the game itself, but like just like, you know, things happen, you can't control them. And you and the game, the game is playing catch up with like whatever disaster is happening at your feet, which is I think what makes the game compelling, although it is. It can like rub people who are uh, optimizers the wrong way, just because like you know, like I had that king die, and then his son died very soon thereafter, and I guess I'm playing like my my you know my nephew, and he's lost most of his holdings because like you know the early game uh, inheritance does like splits among brothers, and so I guess I have to go, um, I guess I have to go like conquer my brothers again, and then I screwed up so like you know I screwed up something because. I got, you know, they sieged, even though I was clearly going to win the war, they managed to capture me uh, by sieging the capital. And I was like, well, well, fuck, right? And then, like, that was, like, six hours later, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm done with this save, but I had a fucking blast. I love it, and uh, I'm going to probably jump into it again sometime soon. There's, there's an expansion coming out this year that I'm excited for. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, absolutely uh, the best game I returned to in 2021. Um, this Crusader Kings three. Man, the best game I returned to. This is this one's interesting. Uh, just because I feel like I don't actually have a lot of good capabilities to answer. Hold on, let me let me like. There are a bunch of games that I returned to. Oh, I oh I'm sorry. I'm such a fucking idiot. There's an amazing answer for this. That I didn't think about uh, until I just looked at my Steam recently playlist. The Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Hey, right? Holy fuck, is playing Mass Effect great. I, it's so good. It boggles my mind sometimes, right? And I do sometimes wonder, like, when are these things going to lose their, you know, like, when are they going to lose their magic, right? You know, something that, um, you know, I watched a YouTube video on New World recently. Uh, a guy that covers a lot of MMOs, his name is like Josh Strife Hayes or something like that. He made a whole video that just like put out the timeline for kind of, it's called New World Timeline of a Failure, right? New World had a million players at launch and now it has less than 100,000. Um, 94% drop in its player base, right? And he just laid out exactly like what were the steps to that failure, right? And the thing that he ends up saying in his kind of conclusion to the video is that he predicts New World is going to be like Avatar, right? The the 2010 movie, the James Cameron movie, um, which sort of the famous hot take of which is, you know, Avatar had no cultural impact, right? Like it didn't leave a footprint, right? Um, it just kind of fades into the cultural memory to the background. And even though it was the hugest movie of all time, you know, for seven years running, um, it just kind of it just kind of faded out and that's it. And, uh, and I do sort of wonder like what though, what that's going to look like for, for games, right? You know, Mass Effect is, is a game that was huge in its time, right? But it had the third sequel everybody famously hated, even though it's really good. Um, Andromeda everybody famously memed to death, even though I would also say that one is really good, right? Um, and it's just like, is, you know, like, is that a result of the the magic coming off, you know, like the, the shine coming off the apple or whatever, right? Um, and the answer is fucking no. Mass Effect 2 is still, like, the greatest game ever, right? Just like, oh, the storytelling is so deep and it's so effortless, right? Um, 
that coming back into that just coming back into it and it was so easy to sink into you know for for a game that came out uh just like in the middle of like june or july that i was that i was i don't know i was i was really happy about it um I will say that this is something of a competitive category, which is why I was a little bit, I, ha I had a hard time answering, because I've returned to a lot of games over the course of this year, right? Um, I returned to Valhalla, I returned to Skyrim, um, I returned to Hearthstone um, after not playing for a year, so like, I, I've definitely come back to uh, a bunch of different titles. I've returned to, you know, how many times have I returned to Total War Warhammer 2 over the course of this year? It's released four DLC packs, so that's at least four fucking times, right? Um, but the one that definitely, the def that definitely hit me the hardest was going to be the mass effect legendary edition um so yeah okay um uh i teased i teased this one so i just want to follow up on my on my twofer so uh f9 was my pick for uh the movie that affected me most this year um but i do want to take a minute to ask the question to to propose the category of just raw best film this year what what film was that was good right what was the the film that was most good um and this answer also surprised me my my honorable mention probably goes to dune which i think maybe if you would ask me a week ago i would have said dune but just like something kicked in the back of my mind five days ago and i haven't been able to kick it out which is that the best movie i've seen this year is the many saints of newark uh the Sopranos story i think the many saints of newark is probably an unpopular pick i don't actually think it was very well reviewed um it was maybe well reviewed but uh like fans probably didn't like it i saw a lot of mixed stuff going on with the many saints of newark um which is maybe because it's a prequel story that doesn't as much tell the origin story of Tony Soprano as people wanted it to, right? Um, Tony Soprano is famously one of these like incredibly deep, complex anti-hero villains, right? He's one of the he's one of the characters that made that archetype that would later go on. You know, we would get Breaking Bad, we would get BoJack Horseman, right? We would get um, you know Cersei Lannister, Rick Sanchez, right? A million of these kinds of like very motivated antiheroes that have clear, concise reasoning for the re for the things that they are in fact doing, right? Um, but they are emotionally complex, right? They are not just villains for villains' sake. They have they have a deep and rich inner world going on, even as they are doing repugnant things. And that makes them that that's a really compelling mix, right? To see a really motivated character who wants to do something really bad, um, but uh, but they but they have that complexity that you would typically associate with like you know like a protagonist or whatever, right? Tony Soprano is one of those characters, and. This movie is his origin story, right? But the thing about it that I think people missed and that I just want to say is fucking fantastic filmmaking is that the origin story of Tony Soprano is told thematically through the character arc of Dickie Moltisanti, right? Because Dickie Moltisanti is Tony Soprano, right? He is, he, they are the same character with the exact same, you know, that that emotional inner life that Tony has is the same emotional inner life that Dickie has, where he's trying so hard to be good, even though he is a mafioso, right? And he's and he's racist, and he's you know uh, he's misogynist, he's all these other things, you know, he's willing to kill people at the drop of a hat, right? You know, in the first act of this movie, he just bludgeons a guy that he cares for deeply to death 
just because of how angry the injustice that guy was proposing was, right? And that's Tony Soprano through and through. And I think that that's like a fucking amazing thing, right? Imagine somebody coming in and pitching me a story that says, I'm going to tell the origin story of, you know, one of the most famous characters in 21st century television entirely via metaphor because I'm going to explain the story of the guy that Tony most idolizes, right? And how Tony idolizing that guy turned him into the guy that we saw for five, you know, for six actually seasons of The Sopranos. And I just think, and it's, it's so good. And, um, and it probably didn't get the love that it deserved, which is maybe giving it a little bit of a bump in this, in this category. Right. Um, but yeah, so my answer, best movie of the year, 2021, The Many Saints of Newark. Awesome. Yeah, so I will say I have this category down on my sheet, and I'd given it to Inside. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but there was another contender there, and so I'm going to talk about that movie instead, even though I still think I think that Inside is the better movie. Um, and that movie is a movie I watched very recently, and it's called Pick, starring Nicolas Cage. Um, hmm. Have you seen Pick? No, I haven't, but I have heard things. Okay, so this is super interesting because, like, the trailer makes it look like it's like Nick Cage, John Wick, right? It is not. It is a movie about loss and about dealing with loss, um, and about and it's like a much a much more kind of positive message ultimately than something like a a John Wick. Um, and the thing that stuck with me the most is there's this absolutely brutal and searing takedown in the middle of the movie. Um, a, uh, Nick Cage's character is, um, is, is a chef, um, and he's talking to another chef, and he basically, you know, dresses him down in, in a way that's, like, not aggressive or, um, or you know, hurtful. It's, like, or... I mean, it's, it's a bit hurtful, but it, it's it's meant to help the guy, right? Like, it, it, it's meant to kind of, like, um, become, a, become a fuller self. And it's just, like, the best way I've seen that done. Um, especially because I, th I think it knows it's playing against the expectation that everybody thinks is going to be a John Wick, and it's not. Um, and in some ways, I think towards the end, it becomes more like John Wick than you'd think. Um, just in a different way. I don't want to spoil too much of it because there's, there's a lot going on in this movie. Um it's a movie about it's a movie about love. It's a movie about, uh, like I said, loss, um, and it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. Um, and I recommend going into it without hearing much more about that. Um, it's an hour and a half. It's on Hulu. Um, if you have that service, uh, so you don't have to worry about finding theater. Like I wanted to see it in theaters, but I couldn't find it in a theater near me. It was only playing like AMC's. I don't have any AMC's near me, so um, I'll watch it on Hulu uh, and uh, give that a two thumbs up. I'm curious. What, what have, you, have you heard good or bad things about Pig? I've heard good things. Okay. Uh, people on you know my film Twitter liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I I was encouraged to watch it by my brother, who is not on film Twitter, but he is a film person. So. Yeah, um, I mean, the, you know, people. Th there's always the the question of like Nicolas Cage, good or bad, right? Um, and uh, and I think this is evidence of I don't know. Uh, yeah, he Nick can, Cage good. <laughs> yeah, Nick Cage can be good. Right, like, um, you know, doesn't mean he always is, um, but you know, he can be good. All right, 
I guess that makes it my category. Um, and I think I'm going to go with... Uh, you have the words, good movie and the case should not go together. You have not seen Face Off, um, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> which is um, a movie that is so bad that it is amazing. Um, uh, but the serious answer there is Adaptation, which is also which is a, a legitimately very good movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Raising Arizona is also a very good movie, and he is uh, excellent in it. I, I think it's the Coen Brothers. Is it their first movie? Is it really? I don't know. Let me let me look. Yeah. I need to go back and watch it then. I, I like the Coen Brothers uh, uh, quite quite a lot. Um, I really enjoyed like Hail Caesar and um, uh, and Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Uh, obviously, you know, <coughs> bless excuse you. me. Um. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, let me let me take a quick look. Okay, never mind. They did a million things before Ra- Raising Arizona. Yeah. Actually, never mind. These are all shorts. So they did one feature before Raising Arizona called Blood Simple, uh, which I've never heard of. Yeah, neither have I. The owner of a seedy small town Texas bar discovers that one of his employees is having an affair with his wife. A chaotic chain of misunderstanding, lies, and mischief ensues after he devises a plot to have them murdered. That is a classic Coen Brothers plot. Yeah. Holy fuck. I feel like that could just, that second sentence, a classic chain of, or a chaotic chain of misunderstanding, lies, and mischief ensues after he devises a plot. That is every Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> Maybe except for. Uh, I mean, uh, he's got a, they've got, got a couple of serious blood. ones. Like, um, yeah, what's the one they won the Oscar for with? Uh, um, with 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 the, with the cow Javier gun. Bardem. Yeah, yeah. The, whatever that one no, is. No country that I for can't old remember. men. No country for old men. Men. I mean, that one's a book, so it's a little different. Yeah, right? that's true. Uh, I think they have a couple but, other serious ones too, because I, I brought this up to my brother at one point, and he pointed out a couple more too. They're in that kind of like serious Coen Brothers rather than like you know funny you know light Coen Brothers. Um, that's true inside loon davis is also uh is also like this but yeah i mean when i think of coen brothers i think of a serious man burn after reading right like you know oh brother where art thou hail caesar hail caesar all these are all like great examples of like the classic conan brother antics yeah all right fargo yes yeah um all right moving on to the next category um uh, best thing that wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. Um, and for me, that's going to go to Cyberpunk 2077. Because um, everybody shit on this game pretty relentlessly. And I enjoyed my time with it quite a bit. Um, apologies to Monic, friend of the cast, who I didn't believe for a very long time. Um, but uh, essentially, 2077, um, at least... So I will not discount that like playing an old generation system probably had a lot more problems. And I played it post the first couple of big patches, which shaved off the really rough edges, but it felt to me less like a big game with a lot of Eurojank, right? Which is, you know, games like Euro or I Define Cybermancy, uh, games like, you know, The Witcher 1, right? Like, um, and maybe we expect more out of CD Projekt Red just because they have been so big and so successful and this game was sold to the hilt. Um, but, like, I think it compares pretty equitably with like Skyrim right in terms of like messiness that happens with an open world game um and they do a lot of cool stuff with it I had my problems with the game um and I still have yet to finish it but like there's um a lot of cool stuff they did with the game that I really enjoyed um and I'm happy with the time I spent with it um and I might go back and finish it at some point but like I don't think I regret any of the time I spent with the game 
um, which is more than I could say for some games. So, um, and I intentionally left this category broad as best or best thing that wasn't as bad as everybody said it was, because um, I figured there's some outs there for you if you didn't have that attached to a particular game. No, I mean, you know, the easy answer is wow. I'm trying to think of something more complex than that, though. I went on like a 20 minute rant in our, you know, what's it called video about why people are mad at wow and like the state that it's in like oh, really we've yeah, had this rant several times answer, over right? the past year yeah yeah it's just it just it permeates like the i don't know it just like permeates things and it is like the it is forever stuck in my craw right um you know that uh that the perception is so different than i feel like the reality of wow something something that i said the other day on the reddit that i thought was you know that, or that I think is sort of like an insightful way to process this, right? Um, there's this understanding that like the story has been retconned, right? And that one of the books that came out, which tells the story of WoW lore kind of like from its inception called Chronicle, right? There's three volumes of Chronicle over the course of the years, right? Um, the, and the idea is that Chronicle is, it's been, WoW lore is so heavily retconned that Chronicle basically isn't even fucking canon anymore. Like it's just like toilet paper, right? And the writers are wiping their ass with Chronicle. And I pointed out to somebody in like the Warcraft lore subreddit, I said, here, you know, like, let's, let's put this to the test, right? Go and open up any random page to, of Chronicle, right? And look for stuff that has been retconned. Tell, show me the evidence that this thing has been retconned. And the answer is, even if we were to agree that the retcons that the community thinks are retcons that aren't really honestly super retcons, that would be like a, this tiny infinitesimal fraction of the overarching story of wow right just because we have deeper understanding about the lore now than we did in 2016 just doesn't mean that these things have been right grounded and stuff and it's just like and i think it's that kind of hyperbole that rubs me the wrong way right um you know on on the top of the subreddit today people people are complaining about like you know oh shadowland systems are so bad you know like the game is in such a bad place right now but you can see people talking about specific aspects of the game and it's like it's like, it's like I'm looking at a like a ship of Theseus in in motion or a ship of Theseus is kind of wrong. It's like it's like the sum of its parts. If I if I were to take out each individual part of World of Warcraft and present it to a person and say, is this thing good? Right. Almost everybody says, yes, this is good. Right. If I were to say, you know, the rare design in Corthia or adding valor to Mythic Plus or, you know, the you know the seasonal affixes like the the dungeon portals and mythic plus all these different changes right most people would go yeah that's good yeah that makes the game better mm -hmm, that's good but then if i were to go is corthia good they would go no and it's like how is the thing bad if every individual component of the thing is good right <laughs> like that just that's the thing that's so frustrating right um to deal with and so uh that's the boring answer i wish i had a better one but I, I already, yeah, I mean, I already shilled really hard for the Many Saints of Newark, which is maybe the only other thing I can think of that got a poor reception, but I think is fantastic. Um, you know, so it's yeah. wow. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, again, I thought you might go with the Matrix on this one. Um, just, be, I mean, I guess that movie's been more mixed in it. It's like everybody said it was bad, but like the. I think it's it might be a difference of also the people. The people on my Twitter fucking love it. Like. And, like, a lot of my friends, I feel like, like, most of my friends that I have talked to, um, 
in depth about the Matrix Four. They all really enjoyed it, which I think might just be the, a specific slice of things. For instance, I didn't see the half in the bag episode, but I saw that the thumbnail for the half of the bag episode was like, like head in hands. Like, you know, rich or whoever. And I was like, oh, they probably didn't enjoy it no, as I mean, much as I did. So, so what, what was it? Um, so basically that, that episode, Mike Staclasa, uh was like, um, you know, like this was bad and that was bad and that was bad. And I loved every minute of it. Um, <laughs> um, they, they both conditionally recommended it. So, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Honestly, fair enough. Yeah. I, I just saw that. I just saw the thumbnail, but like the thing that I saw that like is the most cursed take is people saying that free guy is good and matrix oh, four God. is bad. Oh. And so, and yeah, well, and so I, my Twitter is full of people making fun of that take more than it is full of that take. Um, which is maybe just like a version of the echo chamber, but I don't know. Honestly, that's the thing I don't understand the most about this, this fucking year. Right. Is, is, is free guy is like, how, how does everybody, like, I have heard so many people say that they love free guy. It's like a fun rob and maybe, maybe I'm just too inside to really appreciate it. Right. Like maybe this is like, you know, the, the fucking, uh, you know, astrophysicist watching Armageddon or whatever. Um, but like, it's just, uh, uh. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's your category. <coughs> yeah. So, um, God, wait, 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 where are we? I'm, I'm proposing a category now. Mm. Okay. I think I ran out of all my prepared categories, but I can think of one on the spot. Oh, uh, this is actually a good one. Best, um, uh, what would I call this? Uh, Diamond in the Rough, which is to describe something from before 2021, right? That you discovered inside of 2021 um, for the first time, right? So sort of the 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 inverse, in a way, of the Crusader Kings thing, right? Which is something before 2021 that you revisited. But this is something that I knew existed, right? Before 2021, and I just never put the time into it. But oh, but at a certain point this year, I just decided to go for it. Um, and the answer to that one is Pathfinder Kingmaker, the CRPG. Um, this is honestly one of my big highlights of the year. Uh, and it's a weird one because it came out three or four years ago, right? Uh, and I remember it coming out, and I remember people liking it, but I just kind of was in a different place at the time, and I, I had no interest in it. I think I had fallen off of a couple of other CRPGs, specifically Divinity Originals. I remember I, there was this trifecta of me doing um, uh, Divinity Original Sin, uh, maybe one of the Obsidian games, maybe like Pillars of Eternity 1, and then a third one. And it was just like, I remember I did three CRPGs in a row and I just kind of bounced off of each of them, right? And I just like, I couldn't get my stride. And I really love the CRPG genre, right? It's one of those genres that I played way back. Um, you know, in the, I played the original, uh, the, the Baldur's Gate days. Not the original one, actually, the, whatever the sequel is that Baldur's Gate 2, 3 is the one that is out now, right? Uh, 3 is the one that is currently, that is currently in early access. Okay. Maybe it was Baldur's Gate 1. It was one of the old Baldur's Gates, right? But it's just like, you know, my computer wasn't very powerful. Baldur's Gate was was a game that ran pretty efficiently on it. Um, 
And uh, and I remember loving that game, even though I don't really remember actually the, the, the act of playing it all that much. Um, and I remember loving that game and feeling like this is a genre for me, right? I should love CRPGs. Um, but when I tried to get back into them, right, in that like two, 2016, 2017 era, so I just really bounced off of them. Then somewhere along the lines, I played Pillars of Eternity 2, right? I put a good, a respectable 40 hours into Pillars of Eternity 2 before just kind of getting weighed down by sort of the, you know, like the bloat in the story of that system, right? where I was just like lost in this chain of side quests such that I had lost the main through line of the story and I completed the side quest and I felt like I was done with the game, right? Um, and then I got into Pathfinder Kingmaker this year because Wrath of the Righteous came out and I, and oh, and they had finally, the, a big thing for me was they had made a turn-based mode, um, which was what I, what I wanted. I wanted a turn-based mode. So, um, yeah, so I played Pathfinder Kingmaker. Oh, right, and I and the reason that I wanted that turn-based mode is because it uses the rules of Pathfinder so directly, right? It is such a one-to-one -one port that it was in this weird, uncanny valley when I played it originally, where it was close to what Pathfinder was, but the, but without them going round by round, that just like futzed with the mechanics in such a way that I fucking hated. I couldn't I couldn't wrap my hand around it. So they integrated a full turn-based mode in like the full release of the game, right? And I was like, this is it. This is the moment I get into, you know, I get into Pathfinder Kingmaker. Um, and it was magical. You know, I played that game hard. I went 80 hours over the course of two weeks in that game where it just felt like every free moment i wanted to log in and i wanted to you know keep progressing my kingdom and um and the stories and the companions and getting deeper into the into the systems right um one of the nice things about pathfinder kingmaker is it gave me this outlet to play characters and classes in the way that i have wanted to play a multiple like multiple different pathfinder characters over time right but i never had the opportunity to because you just there aren't that many pathfinder games you know in my life that i can that i can be a part of right so i was able to play dual wielding bastard swords tonric who is a slayer that is taking advantage of the ignore of ignoring prerequisites for the two weapon fighting feats so that I could get all this strength damage, right? Um, and Tonric ended up being a fucking monster in that game. Like, um, or, and you can do that with all the companions too, because not only do you control your, your player character, you also control all these different companions, right? So you can make a kineticist, you can make a, a ranger, you can make a cleric, right? All of these different, um, these different classes with these different sort of specializations, right? Um, and that was just really fulfilling and really fun and I had an amazing, an amazing time with it. So that is my game, uh, or not necessarily my game, but that is the thing, my diamond in the rough, something from before that I discovered this year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that you, 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 because you initially didn't say game. So I, I wasn't going to go with the game because I didn't play, I don't think a ton of games that came out previously this year, but I am going to say that my favorite thing for this, or my thing that fits for this, I think. Um, is one of Philip K. Dick's lesser-known uh, stories. I think it's lesser-known, at least, um, that I like had found out about and, and listened to on tape this year, which is Clans of the Alphane Moon. I talked about this on the uh, on the podcast when I listened to it. Um, and it's a really insane story. Um, and it also has, it has problems, but I think at the time I described it as, like, um, the living embodiment of, like, you know, men writing women uh, memes. But um, uh, it is super, super interesting and super easy to digest. It's like 
a, you know, like it's like a couple hundred pages, I think. So it's, you know, it's relatively short. You can get through it. Um, and like just the way that like things interact with each other and the characters talk to each other and like the way things play out and the kind of the structure just really, uh, really hooked me. It made me jump into a couple other books of his. I also listened to um, uh, Flow My Tears, Policeman Said, and The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch. Um, both of which I would also recommend. The three, st- I, I think I like them in reverse order of the way I listen to, way, uh, the order I listen to them, which is um, I liked uh, Clans of the Elfane Moon the most, Three Stigmata second, and then Full My Tears, Please Men's the least, but I didn't dislike it. Um, and uh, that really kickstarted for me, like uh, this whole trend of like listening to like this like classic sci fi, which also started um, a couple months before in 2020, which was another great book, uh, which is. Um, uh, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress, which I didn't think, which is not very obscure. Um, but, um, uh, so I've been listening to Heinlein. I've been listening to uh, Philip K. Dick. Um, and that's that's what launched me into Hyperion with uh, with Dan Simmons, or by Dan Simmons. Um, it's kind of like this this uh, kind of like sci-fi canon. I think I'm going to do um, Snow Crash soon because I haven't, I haven't uh, I read that one uh, yet. Um, that and Neuromancer, you know, just like, you know, um, and you know, may, maybe this counts as a diamond in the rough, um, is, you know, going back to books, right? Like, you know, cause it's just, it's the thing I hadn't done in, uh, in a long time. It's just been a lot of like, you know, uh, video games and YouTube and podcasts. Uh, but you know, audiobooks are basically a podcast that aren't anchored to like current events. Um, not that all podcasts are, but like that's most of the ones that I listen to. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it to. Uh, give it to Clans of the Alphane Moon by Philip K. Dick. Um, That's a good one. We're at a okay. So we're at time. Are we going to keep going, or what do you want to do? I've got one more that should be short. Um, it's kind of okay. cheesy. Um, I'm going to say favorite thing from the podcast from the past year, um, and mine's going to be a little bit more general, um, and it's going to be uh, streaming these lives. Um, it's been I think it's been a huge improvement. We've definitely seen the increase in the numbers. So thank you guys at home for listening and watching. Um, it's been great interacting with people um, from everybody from uh, the most recent kind of King Fod dropping in. Thank you to uh, the, the uh, regular appearance of, of Aluria. Thank you for, thank you for watching. I've just think switch has made this podcast much better and much more fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, that, that is my favorite thing from the podcast is that's moving this to, to Twitch live streams along with the video and audio release. God, this one's actually really hard because I feel like there have been a lot of really good um, – I feel like there have been a lot of really good podcasts this year. Uh, some highlights that I do want to p- pick out is when I, when I was, like, going through them, right? Um, this is the year that uh, that we did a Samurai 7 podcast, which I thought was great. Um that was honestly one of, you know, like, obviously, obviously it's the one I, I like the most. Uh, but I just felt like that podcast had, like, a lot of insight in it, right? And it's one that I'm really, like, proud of. Uh, the same thing with, we did the Young Justice uh, 1 and 2 uh podcast this year, which I also thought were really insightful. Um, maybe my... Th- uh. Man, just looking at it, what do I think? What do I want to... I don't know. Part of me just wants to say that first 20-minute rant from the fucking anniversary episode. It just so... It it so clearly got 
so so many of my thoughts all collected together. No, actually, th th I'm I'm lying. The real thing that I that I want to highlight is the Matrix trilogy of episodes. I think those are the best episodes we have ever done, just from like a technical, you know, like insight perspective, right? If you want to come to this podcast to listen and learn about media in a more comprehensive and complex way. I think that those three Matrix episodes that we did um, were so comprehensive um, that I don't know that they were just that they were just great, and I'm really I'm really proud of those, and I think that we did a really great job. Well, um, I think we did a great job too, buddy. So, you know, um, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back yeah. too hard, but <laughs> I think well, I think we'll keep the podcast going for another year. Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll give it one more year. <laughs> All right, well... And Mango plays to the audience. <laughs> when did I sound the best? <laughs> to be clear, I think I probably would have also said that we started streaming these if Mango hadn't already had already said that. I say, completely co-opting the fucking answer. Right? You know, my favorite thing is the fans, right? <laughs> uh. No, I just mean in terms of, like, if the podcast is a service, right, you know, if the podcast is something that someone is tuning into for a good reason, I feel like those three episodes are the best reason to to ever listen to our podcast yep um i man i wonder if i have a favorite episode i don't i don't know one couldn't didn't pop off the top of my head as like being particularly my my favorite um i do like that that seven samurai episode was like just like so we saw like a tweet and we were like let's do an episode on seven samurai um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no uh yeah, no, it was it was it was it was a pretty good year. Although, a lot of movies, not necessarily a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, video Honestly, games. there were more games. Like for instance, I forgot about Spellbreak, which oh, is yeah. a game that I famously really enjoyed. We talked about it a lot and said that it was really smart and clever, and they like never played again. <laughs> I actually played it with uh, with people from Akupara on an Akupara game games night, uh, which was which was a lot of fun, and. Um, and uh, I remember thinking that exact same thing as I was like, man, I loved this game. We had a whole podcast about this game. Why don't I play this game more often? And then like logged into fucking World of Warcraft. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wonder how much of that is like it's in the Epic Games launcher instead of being in like, you know, Steam or, you know, the Activision. I honestly, huge. Right. Um, I yeah. And also, you know, like I think um, I think games like that can get exhausted pretty quickly because if they don't provide a really great uh, sort of like ladder, like a, a, a great sense of progression, there's not a huge reason to continue onwards. And um, even if I did like the gameplay and everything else like that, something we did kind of talk about was the sort of leveling up battle pass progression system didn't didn't really hit the mm -hmm. right spot. So maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, just one more thing about the podcast. I'm just staring at it now. It was like, we did a double feature on Evan Han Dear Evan Hansen and Carnage, which was, you know, quite, you know, <laughs> that, that was, a, that was a week for us. Uh, um, what are you looking forward to most in, in 2022? I, I mean, that can be a real answer, but I'm just interested. Uh, in terms, in terms of like media that we're going to do. Yeah. Cause you know, like there's Aquaman two, there's the Batman, there's what? Warhammer three. There's 9.2. There is, what are, what's all the, there is Elden Ring. Um, and, mm. and that is going to be the thing that I'm going to sink my teeth into. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I I told – did I tell the podcast? I might have told somebody else. I might have been like in voice with somebody when I said, I think this is going to be my first exposure to From, from Software. I'm going to play Elden Ring. Um, so 
Oh, well, we'll That'll do a podcast something. on it. Um, we will podcast on it, yeah. Oh, and, and, and in an ironic way, I'm very excited for Morbius the Living Vampire because I think it's going to be trash, and I'm excited oh to watch it. Are we, are we going to do Morbius the Living Vampire? We're do oh, Morbius the Living Vampire. It does, it does look like such garbage. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I'm ironically excited for. But um, th- those are actually the two things that came to the top of my head when you said it. Uh, what about you? What are, you? what are your What are your big big uh, looking forward to in uh, 2020? I mean, Aquaman two is number one, right? It has to be. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Hold on, it, it, that is. I, I just want to make sure that it hasn't moved. Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom, I think is what it's called. Upcoming superhero movie. Yep. Okay. Scheduled for December sixteenth, twenty twenty-two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that is obviously my number one uh, thing that I want out of out of twenty twenty-two. Um, but maybe actually the number one is Total War Warhammer three. Oh, God, man, you have no idea how depressing it was going through the entirety of this holiday break without the ability to play. Total War Warhammer 3. I remember when 2 came out in 2016. What is it? Maybe 2015? Maybe. No, I'm, maybe it was 2018? I don't remember. It came out at some point, right? Um, that uh, that I took some time off in the, in the Christmas holiday, uh, and I just binged it for hours and hours on end. And if 3 is anything like 2, and I get super fucking deep in this in this shit... Uh, you can you can better believe that it's going to be like the highlight of my highlight of years. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Oof. Are you excited to see Moonfall? Oh my God! Is that the? Uh, That's the Roland Emmerich. Chris, Roland Emmerich. Chris movie? Pratt. Honestly, movie. I. You know what? You know it's a weird hidden hidden diamond like diamond in the rough movie for me that I've been watching uh, recently is. Uh, Midway. I have seen Roland Emmerich's movie on Midway like five times because it's on HBO Max. So I just kind of keep watching it as just like one of those movies to keep watching. It's just in really, it's just a really well done fucking story. Fuck. Honestly, there's actually quite a lot in here that I didn't think about. Um, uh, Spider-Man Across the Vider- the Spider-Verse yeah. uh, is in 2022. I didn't realize that Thor Love and, and Thunder. Thunder is in 2022. Um, one of the ones that I'm really interested in is Jurassic World Domination, which I think is finally delivering on the fucking promise of um, a Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World movie. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Apparently, I'm hype. apparently, there is a movie coming out called "The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent," where Nick Cage plays himself, who has accepted a million dollars to go to a a massive fan, like massive fan's birthday, who turns out to be a drug lord, and he needs to channel his old characters to escape. Which sounds like the most insane thing. I'm, I'm instantly pumped for this now. I instantly. You know, I have to say, one movie that I actually really do want to watch uh, is Dog. Which is a movie I have seen in theater, or a trailer for in theaters a bunch of times, uh, which just seems to be a movie about Channing Tatum and his dog. But I just find Channing Tatum to be so fucking charismatic, and I love him so much that I think I might just go see Dog, you know, in February of of 2022. You know, do it. <laughs> uh, you know, I am. There's, there's, you know. It'll be 2022. There's actually way more coming out yeah. in 2022 than I fucking realized. Like the more I, I am looking at this 
like set of movies you know uncharted which is a video game movie uh the the untitled mario film right is slated for 2022 apparently it doesn't even have a fucking title it's coming out um the new mission impossible mission impossible 7 another another series of action movies that uh that film film people tend to go absolutely buck wild for is uh in the same way that they do for the fast and furious franchises mission impossible um i'm very interested in avatar 2 even though it's going to get delayed for the 80th year in a row so apparently there's a uh a, a fucking shrek sequel uh puss in boots the last wish coming out uh okay yeah all right okay i like puss in boots actually quite a lot I have, have you ever seen, seen puss in it. boots nope. it's it, it is a honestly legitimately really good movie um antonio banderas obviously yeah. is is uh oh there's a knives out sequel coming huh oh i guess he's doing i guess so i guess he i guess he's just a detective is the same character which makes sense um right because th there's a sequel to the fucking Her hercule perot movie coming out a murder on the nile oh, that also looks awesome you know, I mean, it's Kenneth Branagh, right? But it looks awesome, and I'm probably going to see that movie, too. Did you so. see Murder on the Orient Express? Yeah, and it was good. It was fun, and I yeah. Was, I, I was surprised. I, um, yeah. I honestly, the, the one movie that I haven't seen this year that I really want to is West Side Story. Is the the Steven Spielberg West Side Story. And it's because I ran out of, like, free movies on the AMC premiere whatever thing, because we saw matrix and spider-man and something else did you cancel did you have to like spend one of your tickets canceling spider-man oh maybe i spent one of my tickets to cancel and reschedule spider-man yeah that must have been it um so i didn't have a third one i was gonna go see i was gonna go see what's it called over the break but i don't know it'll probably be in theaters in you know <laughs> in january yeah all right now that we've dragged this out an extra 15 minutes i think we could call it um <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, your favorites of the year, um, you can, or just with questions or whatever, you can email us at podcast.com or sadurthplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash sadurthplaygames, but these go out live. Um, uh, we have a YouTube. We have a SoundCloud, uh, which is where the, the podcast is also hosted. Uh, rate review us on all the podcast apps. We are there. We're on Spotify. We're on U iTunes. We're on uh, YouTube, although the last episode's delayed because I have to cut out the first 20 minutes um, since we talked into into nothing. Um, uh, what else? Um, I think... Oh, I think that's it for me, buddy. you have anything you, you want to promote? Uh, I don't think I have anything to promote, so until next time. All right. Well, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.